Greetings and welcome to the pod. My name is Mark West. Lauren Tischendorf is the first woman to swim solo around Lord Howe Island. 32.2 kilometres of sharks, currents, 25 knot winds and 2.5 metre swell, finishing in 13 hours, 50 minutes and 26 seconds. She has also filmed a documentary of the swim called I Just Went For A Swim, highlighting the spectacular ocean as well as the importance of empowerment of girls and women. You can watch the film throughout Australia very soon in the Women's Adventure Film Festival. I started off by asking, as always, whether Lauren had always been an ocean swimmer. No, not really. I, um, I sort of swam a bit in the ocean and I did a lot of pool when I was younger, but it was only until I moved um, to Sydney a couple of years ago to the eastern beaches that I got into ocean swimming. You're from South Africa? and uh, I'm South Africa originally, yes. Yeah, and then, well, it's very easy to see how you could get into uh, ocean swimming. Living at Bondi in the eastern suburbs is pretty nice. It is, and it's just on your doorstep, and you know, there's only so many times you can dip in and out of the ocean. And I guess being an active person lying on the beach doesn't always cut it for me. So, <laughs> trying to, you know, get in and get get in and out of the waves and um, that kind of thing is, yeah, it's really refreshing. I enjoyed. And so, how did you go from uh, not being an ocean swimmer to just a couple of years later being the the first woman to swim around Lord Howe Island? I don't know. I kind of maybe it became slightly addictive. It's I just the feeling, you know, being in the ocean is, um, you know, it's quite rejuvenative. And um, you know, I had, was tra- training in the ocean a couple of times a week um, with a swim group, Bondi Fit with Spud Anderson. And from there, I kind of just started pushing myself to do longer distances, just you know, out of curiosity of you know going exploring in different um, parts of the waters that we sort of swim in and so yeah kind of just I just got further and further and I sort of do endurance I you know I've done endurance running as well so that idea of um pushing myself and seeing how far I can go I guess is just something that naturally happened for me yeah because I was going to say you know I I, I like to try and push myself, but I haven't pushed myself as far as 35 kilometers around an island. <laughs> no, I don't think many people would. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, that, that's, that's really cool. So how long did it take you to prepare for this once you decided that this was something you wanted to do? Um, I kind of, it, was, it was a combination of a couple of things. I was already training, um, naturally training just for fitness and I guess general health. Um, the same distance as you would if you were going to maybe perhaps train for, um, you know, swimming the English Channel. And so, you know, a couple of my some colleagues were doing those kind of distances and I was just training with them anyway. So it was only probably about um, the December before I swam that I started increasing my mileage sort of um, and the, my time in the water sort of from about two hours, you know, a session to sometimes, you know, four, five hours, six hours a session. So it was only probably only about four months out from my actual swim that I did, you know, adjust my training significantly. Otherwise, you know, I was already kind of doing, you know, 135-ish odd um, kilometres a month anyway. 
that's I mean that's that's still a pretty rapid improvement, isn't it? To, <laughs> to yeah, yeah. And and so how did you cope with all that extra training? Obviously, well enough to to be able to do. Yeah, the swim. just um, it's just a lot of early mornings, um, late afternoons, um, and just yeah, my weekends, um, just spend training in order <laughs> and then recovering. Yeah. Wow, and and so. How was the swim? How did you, did you feel? Was it something, did it feel completely different to any of these training sessions? I mean, I guess it was much longer um, for one. Yeah, it was, definitely, it was certainly much longer and a lot more than I'd anticipated. You know, there were a lot more sharks than I'd seen before. Um, and, you know, there was a section where I was really stuck in currents and I knew I'd be stuck in currents. And I've, you know, swum in, you know, adverse currents before, but I think, you know, being stuck in, you know, a non-moving, you know, being swimming in the same spot for about two hours and not getting anywhere is quite tricky. And it just, um, yeah, nothing ever kind of, as much as you might train, it sort of doesn't prepare you when you have everything all at once at one time. And so you just have to kind of catch it through. Wow. So that that must have been quite mentally tough. I mean, physically, I'm sure it's very hard to sit in the one spot and well, not sit in the one spot, but yeah. swim in the one spot. <laughs> but, but yeah. But mentally, that must have been really tough. It was, and I think you, and I think that's where um, you know, swimming, ocean swimming is one of those sports where you do, you do spend a lot of time by yourself. And to a lot of my long swims, I was I'd start off with a group or I'd train by myself, and then you know, start my session by myself and then end up with, you know, join some pals would join in afterwards or I just go out and do them by myself. And so I guess those kinds of training sessions that what kind of prepares you and you kind of just have to you know, your mental game has to be stronger than almost anything else, I think. So how did you get out of that two hour spot did the currents change or did you were you gradually knocking it off centimeter by centimeter? Just, gra- just gradually knocking it off and the winds, you know, they the, the winds kind of changed and, um, you know, the time of day <laughs> had changed. Everything was kind of slowly moving, but yeah, not at the speed I'd initially anticipated. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. And the shark story you mentioned there is incredible. Not just seeing them, but uh, I read um, that you saw some and they were hanging around just a metre or two below you. And yeah, they what... were. That's amazing. Um, and I think it was just, I mean, I knew where they were going to be. There, there's, you know, there's a big section um, around, it's called Blinky's Beach, sort of towards the southern point, I guess, of the island. And that's where, um, yeah, you know, I knew they were going to be. And it was just just trying to be as relaxed and as cool as you can be, <laughs> um, you know. And every night, you know, I started off counting, you know, counting them and letting the crew knew you know, how many I'd seen. And kind of after I got to about 12 or 13, I was like, there's enough enough counting, you know, <laughs> letting go. And I'm like, that's, that's what they need to know. And, you know, they did. Some of them followed me. Many of them, you know, entrailed me. They sort of hung out underneath. And I guess, you know, I was swimming in their territory. So it was just making, you know, trying not to be agitated by them because, you know, sharks pick up on, you know, human changes and you know your energies and that kind of thing so it, it was just trying to make maintain cool, being cool and calm wow and you had to change your 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 nutrition intake during this period because you didn't want to get food in the water to attract more sharks is that right 
Yeah, I can't. It was a, 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 like there's a number of reasons, but I guess it was that idea also of just every time I'd stop, you know, they'd come a lot closer. And, you know, because of the currents and, you know, the swell was quite big at this time, everything was taking so much longer to happen. So it was just a way of, yeah, just trying to reduce one of, trying, you know, eliminate one of the, um, the margins of error that could occur, um, and I know, you know, I know fairly well how much I can sustain on, and how much, you know, I can, tr- you know, swim without and with. So, you know, I'd made sure that the start of my swim, you know, in the morning and the night before, I was really well nutritioned. That, you know, after a little while, it, I, I mean, obviously, I was a little bit slower, but it, it certainly didn't. Um, it wasn't like I was starving and, <laughs> and dying kind of thing. I was, you know, I was very well fed. <laughs> Did they leave you alone eventually? Yeah, sort of after um, I rounded the south end of the island, you know, they'd left. But by then, at that point, it was, you know, turned the bottom of the island, heading up. And by then, um, you know, it was heading towards dusk and then there's, um, and getting into the reef and the reef sharks have a freedom feeding frenzy around us it was just you know oh good they yeah. were always you know it was just it was trying to beat getting into the lagoon at that point and only i only saw one sort of shark later on um in the evening just in the reef and you know he was swimming underneath me and it was <laughs> so so what did so well apart from sharks what what did you think about during the swim, it's a very and what do you think about when you swim long distances in general? It's a very long time by yourself. Yeah, it is. I think a lot of it, you know, it was the scenery was just magnificent. So I was really just, you know, watching the scenery. It was just remarkable, and the bird life was really incredible. So you know, a lot of the time you're just taking it in, you know, thinking about, you know, counting your strokes and your breathing, trying to, you know, trying to make maintain a um, a rhythm. Um, just to main, you know, to maintain your pace is quite often quite important, especially for using your energy reserves. So a lot of that is that, you know, is that reflecting on, you know, people I knew, situations that were going on, you know, and I kind of thought, well, maybe by the end of the swim, I would have solved all the world's problems, but <laughs> <laughs> that did not happen, you know. And I think that sometimes when you are swimming and swimming by yourself, sometimes you. You know, you might ruminate about things and, you know, sometimes you solve the problems, sometimes you don't. But, um, you know, it's just a good time, you know, to be in the water and reflect. I guess. I, I mean, and so how many of the world's problems did you solve? Many? None. <laughs> None. <laughs> and I kind of think even in the last few months, you know, in the last month, the whole world has become totally fractured and crazy. And it's just, you know, there's so much you could think of doing and want to do and it, you know, it becomes all all overwhelming and you wonder where you could start. So what, what do you see as the next swimming challenge? Because just judging by your history of ultra events and, and, and whatnot, I can't imagine this is the end. No, I kind of, there are lots of, you know, there are lots of things I want to try and do. And I guess it's just, I think it's very hard at, hard at the moment to be locked in um, with our restrictions and planning and thinking things. But, you know, there's some things that I'm keen on trying. There are things like the Rotnet Channel I've not done before and I want to do with friends because I find swimming with, um, you know, a whole group of friends, it's, 
you know, it's nice to have a festival kind of event to share share those things with. So, you know, there are a couple of big things also, but it's just a um, it's all just quite training at the moment. <laughs> no, it really is, isn't it? It's hard to to aim for things, but Rotness would be great. I discovered when I was googling you. I've done a few events with you. We've probably looked oh, at each okay. other some of the Bondi um some of the Bondi events, uh, Bondi Blue Water oh, yeah. and and one and North Bondi swims and whatnot. Um, no way, that's super cool. You're a little bit quicker than me, but uh, <laughs> and, and Malabar was another one. So we, we have done some of the same oh, events. They're nice. great. Um, yeah, I'm, they are. I'm, I'm very not, I don't, I'm not a big fan of racing. Sprinting is something I just, I steer clear from. <laughs> I would far rather be in the ocean than doing Friday 50s in the pool. <laughs> yes, yes. So what's, what's a sprint then for you being a long distance swimmer? Is a, is a one kilometer swim a sprint? Yeah, I think a one kilometre is a sprint. And sometimes, generally, it'll often only take me two, two and a half k's to warm up. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, and, yeah. I'm pretty tired by that like, point. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. And, I, and sometimes I forget that that's only when, you know, you warm up. But, yeah, no, I kind of like um, a one k can be quite good if you're well warmed up. But, yeah, five and ten k's are good. And so how do you... So, because I, I notice you've done like um, Comrades Marathon and um, mm. Canberra Ultra Marathon, very yeah. different sort of training for that, very different nutrition as well. How do you cope? How does your body cope with the diff- these different types of uh, endurance events? I think it, it's it's trying to manage it and manage your time. Interestingly, the nutrition, it for some of it's quite similar. So a lot of the I, I I had I have a nutritionist who I see Lisa and she's fantastic and she's um and so my nutrition for my swim and for my um for comrades is actually quite similar. You know, it's the same idea of, you know, your sugars and your carbohydrates, um, electrolytes, replacing them. In swimming, if anything, you have to be more cognizant of um Dehydration, you don't realize you're being, you're becoming dehydrated when you're as, even as much as you're in order. So, you know, I was still having sweet potato, I'd have a comes and I was still having that in my swim. And I generally wasn't having, veg, I mean, veggie mat sandwiches were one thing that I was having at the swim that I wasn't having um, at comrades. But um, those were definitely part of my nutrition. But I think the recovery, a lot of it is just, um, you know, a lot of rest. Um, you know, rehydration, magnesium, that kind of thing. I'm kind of excited by this. So this looks really cool. The, the Women's Adventure Film Festival. And I noticed there, is on, there are some online tickets, which is good uh, for these modern COVID days and you've got a, a film in that what what's that all about yeah so I think so when I mean I already was kind of thinking of doing was planning my swim um and I the film an advertisement for the um to win a grant to make a film for the the film festival came up and it's one of my favorite film festivals I think it was one of the earliest earlier ones that I went and watched and I always found um, you know them to be quite, quite, quite remarkable. But I love love the idea of the cinematography that goes behind them. And I thought, oh, well, that would be quite cool to make a film about my swim. Um, so yeah, we made a film about um, about my swim, and it's 
I won the award and, you know, that helped, you know, in part to the making of the film. Um, and as much as, you know, we, we took some great footage of the film because of the terrible conditions, it, it's just the um, the quality of footage we could get was just quite minimalistic. But we put a great, you know, the director put in a great film for the festival. So, yeah, people can, um, you know, if you're in, in places where you can go to the cinemas, you know, people can go watch them. Otherwise, watch it. Otherwise, yeah, it's online with the um, the Adventure Film Festival at the moment. I've yeah, I've just got I've just got it open in front of me right now, and yeah, it, it, it's it's all around the country. Um, I yeah, guess... it's all around the country, and it's you know, but I what I, I, it's still sort of astounding to me is that there, you know, people like Lucy Bartholomew, who's an amazing ultra runner, and Tora Bright, who's just phenomenal at what she does with um, snow sports. So to have a film next to that is quite intimidating. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and th- that must have been a real thrill for you because I know you're a really big advocate of women in sport and gender equity and that sort of thing. Absolutely. And I think um, so much of the world, you know, we all need to be encouraging and supporting each other, but it's that idea of women you know, championing, championing each other and lifting each other up is so important. And that, you know, so often in sports, you know, that often is forgotten because we're all competing, but it's that idea of, you know, competing for yourself and, you know, uplifting each other. That's so important. And so what's next, do you think? You mentioned rottenness, but... Where, where does the future of, of Lauren go? Um, I think it's still, it's still a developing piece to think, you know, the things that I would like to try and I'd like to test myself. You know, I'd love to test myself. On the weekend, we've got a 48-hour Pledge for the Planet um, event where you can um, do different kinds of sports and earn points, and those points go towards reducing carbon emissions from the environment and I wouldn't mind challenging myself to a couple of hours this, you know this weekend but yeah there are a couple of things long term but those are kind of all under wraps at the moment ah, okay <laughs> more movies yeah I don't know um let's see <laughs> um and I, I I also just found out that that uh, you work with code like a girl which is Pretty cool. My daughter was going to do one of them, but um, something fell fell through. But uh, so that's another agenda equity um, area. Absolutely. You know, I, I I'm not working with them at the moment, but they are um, phenomenal at what they do in, you know, being the face and being a vision for girls. You know, so that they can see other women, you know, in the field of technology, which is just such um, an un, undeveloped part of. Um, you know, the working world at the moment. And so if, if people want to find out more about your adventures and, and more about this advocacy and, and maybe watch some films, where what should they do? How should they find you? Um, I've got a website. It's just laurentischendorf.com. And then I've got an Instagram account where that's kind of often quite populated with things that are going on. Um, so, yeah, and I'm always happy to chat to people and you know, hear ideas or, you know, anything. I think it's, you know, always important to connect with people. I found you on Strava too. So oh, I and can... I can be found in Strava. <laughs> I can look at your <laughs> kilometres and go, oh, I wish I could do that. <laughs> I'm very selective about what I go because I get too many questions about why I'm training so much. <laughs> 
thank you very much to Lauren Tischendorf for taking the time to take us on a journey around Lord Howe Island. If you'd like any more information on anything you've heard in this episode, please get over to the website at www.thepodpodcast.net. That's www.thepodpodcast.net. And up there I have some links to Lauren's movie and to the Women's Adventure Film Festival. You can also find Lauren, and myself actually, lurking on the socials. But I'll leave that as an exercise for the listener. Thanks very much. I'll catch you next time on the pod. Thank you.